Before we do anything else, let's give a round of applause for this worship team. Make some noise for that. I mean, aren't they awesome? They did really good. They really did usher in the Holy Spirit this morning. Everything just changed. There was a shift in this service already. So, uh, you know, when a guest speaker goes to a church, they, they go through, you know, formalities. And one of the formalities is, is that you thank the senior pastor for inviting you and his family, and you thank the church. And for me, it's not a formality. It's something that I genuinely mean. I'm so honored and privileged to be here to share God's word with you this morning. Um, I know Pastor Russ. I've been here a few times, and every single time I come here, I feel like I'm at home. The people, you guys are just, I think you, you guys are just awesome. And uh, my nerves don't come from being in front of strangers. It comes from what I'm about to do. Because I know that I'm standing on holy, sacred ground right now. Uh, what Pastor Russ does every Sunday is, uh, is a calling. And it takes a special kind of person to do this. And, and so I'm honored to stand where he stands and preach where he preaches. Um, so thank you for having me. And I, I thank Pastor Russ as well. And so uh, I'm going to get deep, fast. So before I do that, I thought I'd share a couple jokes with you. I, my buddy was up there saying he, uh, he ain't going to sh- crack no jokes. I was like, man, maybe I shouldn't do it. <laughs> but uh, so I got a question for you. Who was the smartest man in the Bible? If you think you know it, you can shout it out. Who's the smartest man in the Bible? You know it? Jesus? I, that's a good one. You got me, man. But no, it was uh, Abraham because he knew a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one more. So uh, who, who, was the, who was the only man in the Bible without no parents? He didn't have any parents. No. Joshua, son of none. <laughs> yeah, I've been waiting to share those, so <laughs> thank you for listening. But uh, um, like I said, I, I, got a, I got a word I want to share with you. It spoke to me. Uh, it, really, um, it really changed me in going to this New Year's. It's been something I'm thinking about, and I was praying to God what I could share. And I shared this at my church uh, just about a month ago, and I was going to come up with something new, and, and God said, no, I want you to share that. I want you to share what you shared on a Thursday night and what's touched your heart so much, because I'm going into this new year with a, with a new perspective on how I want to live my life. Um, and so we're going to get right into it. I'm not going to waste any time. If you have your Bibles with you, can you turn to Judges chapter 16? And we're going to read verses 23 through 30. I'm going to read it. I'm going to talk a little bit. And then we're going to go back and I'm going to break it down verse for verse. And we're going to take a look at the story. So I'll just give you a minute here. And usually in my notes I put down the, the translation I'm reading. I didn't put it next to the verses. I believe I'm reading out of the New International Version. Um, so Judges chapter 16, verse 23 through 30. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to t- celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. And while they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. And when they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple, so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded, and men and women, and all the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. 
And then Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me, please, God. Strengthen me just once more. and Let me, with one blow, get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood. Bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other, Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the Philistines in it. And thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. Let's see if I can get this to come up here a little bit. There we go. So like I said, I'm going to get deep fast. Have you ever failed before? I mean, not just fail, but like fail God. You know what it's like to, to feel like God is calling you to do something? Or he's put something on your heart to go somewhere, to do something, and, and you drop the ball? I know what that's like. And here come the tears. Anytime I talk about God or read the Bible, I start crying. So forgive me. I know what it's like to feel like I failed God. I gave my heart to the Lord in 2009 when I was locked up and I hit the ground running and I thought everything was going to be peaches and cream, that life was going to be wonderful. I found out real fast that we are in a battle, that we're in a war against the enemy and he, he'll attack you and he wants, to, he wants to take you out. And so God would put things on my heart and I felt like I was failing them because I was too scared to follow through. I was worried about what people would say or what they would think. I thought I would look silly. And uh, for me... When I feel like I fail, God is the worst feeling in the world. My heart just breaks. Because there's nothing more that I want in his life but to please him and to serve him and to honor him with my life. And when he gives me something, when he, the Holy Spirit puts something on my heart and I don't follow through because of fear, my heart breaks into a thousand people, pieces. And so I'm going to share a story with you. I'm going to be vulnerable with you today, if that's all right. Because I, I want you to understand nobody's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. Christians make mistakes, and we fail constantly. And one of the things that God has put on my heart, and one of the things he's called me to do, is to be a father. And so my son's here, so I'm not going to be too vulnerable, not to give you too much information. But so my son is 18 now. When he was 16 years old, uh, he's turning into a young man, and we know teenagers do things, they make mistakes, and they're just teenagers. We're all there. But uh, we went through a season in our lives where we bumped heads. I didn't agree with some of the things he was doing, and so I did things that I shouldn't have done. And I said things that I shouldn't have said. And I remember waking up one morning after a night of fighting, just to be honest with you, and my heart was broken. Not because I said things that I shouldn't have said to my son. Yeah, that hurt me. I felt like I failed as a father, but I felt like I failed God. Because being a father, being a parent, is, it's not something to take lightly. It is God-ordained position. If you have children, then God has promoted you in life. He's given you someone to steward over and to take care of and to watch and raise. And I dropped the ball this night. Like I said, I said things that I shouldn't have said, and I did things I shouldn't have did. And when I woke up, I was devastated. My heart was just broken because I felt like I let God down. You know what I did? I didn't go to church. I didn't pray. I hid. I shut off my phone. I locked my door and refused to answer it. It was a Sunday morning because this happened on a Saturday night. Sunday morning came and I locked the door and I shut off the phone and told my wife and kids, we're not going to church. You ever been there before where you just don't feel like coming to church because you feel like a hypocrite or you feel fake or you feel phony? That's how I felt that day. I said, I can't go into that church after what I did that night. I said, I can't go in there and act like I'm, I'm somebody I'm not. I can't go in there with a fake smile. 
And so I locked the door and I shut off the phone. I didn't know what to do because I felt like I had failed. But what do you do in times like that? What do you do when you, you feel like you failed or you feel like you've blown it? What do you do when you've done something that you shouldn't have done? Or what do you do when you said something you shouldn't have said? Or gone somewhere you shouldn't have gone? Because sometimes we do things and we say things and we go places that we shouldn't be as Christians. What do you do when you realize that you've wasted an opportunity, a God-given opportunity, and you blow it? What do you do when you wake up and you realize, what did I do? Because that's how I felt that morning. I lead Bible studies at my church. I lead Bible studies in the rehabs. I go into the jail and do the church services. And if you would have saw me that night, the way I was acting in my house, you wouldn't look at me the same. I failed. I dropped the ball. We're about to go into a new year. We're going into a new season. We're going to start a new chapter of our lives. And people everywhere are putting together a list of goals, New Year's resolutions. Um, I myself have a couple, and I'm sure most of you do too. But instead of talking about what we're going to accomplish in 2018 or, or our list of New Year's resolutions, some people are going to exercise more. Some people are going to try to lose weight or maybe even pay off that debt that's been lingering. They have a list of goals that they're going to, they're going to hope to achieve. I want to talk about what we're going to leave behind in 2017. I want to talk about what we're not going to bring with us that we're going to get rid of in our lives. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to take a look at those verses that I just read. Let's bow our heads together. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for this opportunity to be used by you. But God, without you, I'm nothing. I pray for your Holy Spirit to fill me, Father. Take my words and make them yours. God, I pray for your anointing because without it, I'm useless. God, thank you for this opportunity to share your word. I pray for the next few moments you allow your Holy Spirit to move through this place and you touch the hearts of every man, woman, and child here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so for the next few moments, we're going to take a look at this man named Samson. We've all heard the story before, I'm sure. If you haven't, maybe this is your first time. It's an amazing story. Um, but I'm going to take a look at his, his, his imprisonment when he was captured. And so... Uh, Samson was a man who had tremendous potential. He was a man that God created for a plan and for a purpose, a special plan and a special purpose. But unfortunately, this man Samson that was called and ordained by God for a special purpose, he made some poor choices. He made some unwise decisions. And these decisions that he made not only hurt him, but they hurt the ones that he loved as well. They hurt his friends and his family. Everyone in Samson's circle suffered and was hurt by the poor choices that he made. Samson is a man that you could say messed up pretty big. You could even say that Samson was a failure. But who was Samson? Samson was a man who lived in the land that God had given to the Israelites. But at this time, there were still people living in this land. They inhabited the land that God had given them. And they either attacked the land, or they were moving into the land. So God used men at this time called judges to, to protect the people of Israel. It was before they had a king. And one of these judges' his name was Samson. God had planned a special life for Samson. God visited Samson's mom before his birth, and he told his mother that Samson would be set apart and designated to be a Nazarite his whole life. And the reason why I point that fact out of his whole life, because typically the vow of a Nazarite was only for a, a short period of time. I think it was like two years. 
and it was something that you did voluntarily. You would sign up for it, and you would volunteer to be a Nazarite. Uh, being a Nazarite would put restrictions on your life, and Samson was no different. Uh, his Nazarite vow was just like everyone else's vow. Uh, he had things that he could do and things that he couldn't do, and some of the things that he could not do included some of the foods he ate. We know that Samson's strength came from his hair. He could not cut the hair on his head. He could not be near any dead body, uh, human or animal. It was considered unclean. And he could not drink any fermented drinks, beer, wine, liquor. That's what we call it today. But the Bible says fermented drinks. But in exchange for these limitations that came along with his vow, God gave Samson a special gift. And that gift was exceptional strength. Samson was super strong. Um, in the gym today, they were called a beast. Samson was a beast. He was in beast mode all the time. He was unstoppable. Samson was very, very strong. Samson is the man who once killed a lion with his bare hands. So strong he was. And that gift, that gift came from God because of the vow that he took to be a Nazareth. Samson is a man who was captured by the Philistines, who were the enemy of Israel. And he broke free, and he killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we just read through stuff. I, I, I mean, I had to really think about that. A thousand men. One man killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. And what I find more amazing than killing a thousand men is the fact that Samson once got mad at his father-in-law, and he caught 300 foxes. And he tied their tails together, he lit them on fire, and set them loose in the fields, the crops. And back then, that, that, was, that was real serious. That was like their money. That's how they made a living. And he caught 300 foxes with his bare hands and let them loose. The guy was a beast. He was super strong. He was unstoppable. But sadly, unfortunately, with all this God-given potential, with all this super strength, this wonderful gift that God had given him, he violated all of his restrictions of his Nazarite vow. And unfortunately, it brought Samson to a tragic end. Did you know that a person's greatest fear is the fear of failure? What I tell you earlier, sometimes I feel like God is calling me to speak to somebody or, or to go a, pl- a certain place and do a certain things. And one of the biggest things that gets in the way of me doing what God has called me to do is fear. I'm afraid. What if they don't receive me? Or what if I do a bad job? What if I mess it up? And then the second biggest fear that we have is regret. Regret. Because you know what happens when I disobey the Holy Spirit? When I don't go where God tells me to go or I don't say what he tells me to say? I regret it. I wish I would have done it. Man, if I would have just stepped out in faith and was listened to God and and, and did what he told me to do, I wouldn't feel this way. There was a time I was uh, in Walmart, right? I just got out of jail because I gave my heart to the Lord in a jail cell in 2009. I just got out of jail. It was a Friday. I just got paid, and there's a big long line, and there's a guy up in the front line paying for his groceries. I just cry when I think about it. He had a little boy with him. And I saw the dad paying for his groceries, and the cashier started taking items out. He didn't have enough money to pay for everything he brought up there. And I saw the dad give the boy back a little toy. Couldn't afford it. Can't buy it. I had a pocket full of money. And God said, I want you to go up there quietly. Don't make a big scene. And I want you to bless them. Pay for all the items that they can't afford. And I started to argue with God. Well, God, what if I don't have enough money? I mean, what if he doesn't receive my blessing? I argued with God right there in the line. 
and time, but time, before I know it, he had paid for the items that he could, and he left. And you know what? I walked up, and you know what I saw on the side of the register? A jar of peanut butter, a loaf of bread, and a plastic toy gun. And I argued with God. I said, I don't have, what if I don't have enough money? I had more than enough money. God would never call you to do something that you can't do. He'll never put you in a situation and not provide the means to do it. And it broke my heart, and I regretted it. I was afraid to do what God had called me to do. And when I didn't listen to him, I regretted it to this day. But thank God he'll give you more opportunities, right? And he's given me more opportunities, and I know better than to disobey the Holy Spirit. And so I listen to God, and I trust him. But one of the biggest fears we have as people is, is fear. We're afraid. And then we regret. We're overwhelmed by regrets when we don't listen to God. Sometimes we wake up in life and we realize we've blown it. It happens. We wake up as children of God and we say, what did I do? The good news is, as you see with the story of Samson, just because you fail at something, that doesn't make you a failure. You know what a failure is? It's just an event. A failure is an event. It's something that happens. It happens in life. Failure is an event. It's never a person. It's not who you are, and it's not who I am. Just because I dropped a ball a couple times in my walk with God, it doesn't mean that I'm a failure. It means that I'm growing and I'm learning. And watch as we see as this tragic story of Samson turns into a story of hope. And so we're going to go back and we're going to look at the verse that we just read a moment ago. We're just going to walk through them real quick. It's only going to take a, a few moments. And so I'm going to go back to verse 23 and 24. And this is what it says. Now Samson, now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. So first of all, they're worshiping this, this god, Dagon. Who's Dagon? He's a false god. He's a made-up god. You know what Dagon is? He's a man's head on a fish body. He's a god that, that these people had just made up, and here they are, and they're worshiping their god, and they're praising him for catching, capturing their enemy. Who's their enemy? Samson, the guy who was called, chosen, and set apart by God. The guy, the guy who had this supernatural strength, this special gift from God, has been captured by his enemies. And so they're in this, this they, they call it a temple, but it's more like an arena. Why do I call it an arena? Because I researched it. It's not like a sanctuary, like a church like this. It was actually a big round building with different tiers and different levels on it. And in the, in the middle was a big field. So it's more like an arena. And there's thousands and thousands of people there who, who are enemies of God. They're, they're against God's people, and they've captured their judge, their leader. They've captured a nation of Israel's leader, and they got him right where they want him. And verse 25 says, While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. And so they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. And when they stood him among the pillars, this is failure at its worst. It doesn't get any more lower than this. Here is Samson. You know what they did to him? After they bound him and chained him, they gouged his eyes out. So here he is, a leader of the nation of Israel, God's chosen special child, has been captured by the enemies. His eyes have been gouged out of his head, and his hair has been cut off. And we know what that means. Once he lost his hair, he lost his gift. And so he's not strong anymore. He's just like any other man. He can't see. He's blind. 
His strength is gone. He can't break the chains. He's devastated. He feels like a failure. He feels like he made some poor choices and messed up somewhere. And the truth is he did. Samson made a lot of poor choices in his life. All this God-given potential, it does not get any lower than this. It doesn't get any lower than where Samson is in his life right now. And brothers and sisters, there's two responses to failure. There's the right response and there's the wrong response, right? That's the only two there is. And so the natural response to a child of God when they fail, or a man or woman of God, is remorse. It's the first feeling we get when we feel like we fail God. And what is remorse? Remorse is I feel bad. I failed. I'm a horrible person. We start to beat ourselves up and we start to, to talk down to ourselves and say, man, I blew it. I really dropped the ball this time. And sometimes we even try to shift the blame when we make poor choices. We say things like, I'm sorry, but it's not my fault. If they wouldn't have said this, then I wouldn't have said that. We say things like, well, I'm sorry, it's not my fault. If they wouldn't have done this to me, then I wouldn't have done this to them. We shift the blame. We feel bad. We show remorse but we shift the blame and we don't own our poor choices. That's just remorse. That's all that is. But there is a better response for a child who has fallen away from God. My brother yelled it out a minute ago, and it's repentance. That's what God is looking for from his children when they make poor choices. Not just remorse. Not just I feel bad. He's looking for repentance. And you know what repentance is? Repentance is when you're strong enough to admit that you were wrong. Repentance is when I stand up and I say, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have talked to my son the way I did. And I shouldn't have done what I did, and I shouldn't have gone where I went. I own it. Repentance is when you're on enough, honest enough to say, I'm sorry, I messed up, it's my fault. But the root of it is, repentance is turning from what you've done and turning to God. It's not walking in that direction anymore and continuing to make those poor choices and doing the same thing over and over again. That's not where repentance is. It's turning to God and turning away from what you've done. Because the reality is, in life, you cannot undo what you've done. You can't ungo where you went and you, can, you can't unsay the things that you've said. I can never take back the poor things that I've said. I can never take back the things that I've done. You can sin, but you can never unsin. You can't undo what you did, but you can repent. You can turn from it, and you can turn from God. You can't undo the things that you look at, and you can't undo the things that you think about, because let's be real. We come into church, and we put on the Christian smile, but there's things that people do behind doors, closed doors that they would never do in front of their church members. So we can't undo the things that we look at and the things that we think about, but we can turn to God. Because you're not what you did. I'm not what I did. And we can't let our past mistakes define who we are. We're not what the world says we are. We're who God says we are. And the world will tell you you're a failure. The world will tell you that you're no good, that you can't become who God's calling you to be, but it's a lie because we're not who the world says we are. We're who God says we are. And if you're in Christ, you are forgiven. If you've given your heart to Jesus, you've been forgiven. And our sins and our mistakes and our poor choices they fall under the blood of Jesus. He paid for it at the cross. We are out of the reach of condemnation. And so we don't have to beat ourselves up with remorse and guilt. But we do have to repent. And we can't let our mistakes define who we are. And if you read between the lines, it seems that Samson, 
he has a moment where he begins to think. Now remember, he's broken every vow. He, he, he had a wedding party where they got drunk. You, just, you go back and read the story before I picked up in Judges. He had a big, a big party and had all kinds of fermented drinks. They, they, was, they was partying. It was what they were doing. He walked by. He, the, the lion that he killed with his bare hands, you know what he did on the way back? He reached down and grabbed a handful of honey. Stuck his hand right in there. Wasn't supposed to do that. He violated every single vow that was put on his life. But then he has a moment where he thinks to himself, and he says, wait a minute. God chose me. God set me apart when I was a child, and he has a special plan for my life. God gave him that strength, and he realized that he lost it when he made the poor choices. It was what he did. But Samson realizes that his hair is starting to grow back. Can't see because they took his eyes. He can't feel it because he's chained and he's bound. But he can feel it on top of his head. Something's happening. Things are changing. There's something going on inside of Samson. His hair is starting to come back. And he thinks to himself, maybe I'm not too far gone. Maybe it's not too late. Maybe God is still with me. And Samson says to himself, I'm not going to sit here and feel sorry for myself. Everyone is there laughing at him. You know that? He's a laughing stock. They're mocking him. They say, look at him. We got him now. He ain't so strong. He ain't no, so big and bad now, is he? They're laughing at him, and they're mocking him. And he says, I'm not going to sit here and feel sorry for myself. He says, I can't change the past, but I can change the future. In verse 26, said, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. And in this verse, I believe, suddenly... Samson does something he should have done a long time ago. Something some of us here need to do. He steps over a line of commitment. And he says to himself, no longer will this life be about me. Because even though he was a child of God, chosen to set apart, he didn't do what God wanted him to do. The hair, it was just a look. The walk and the strength, it was an act. It was fake. Because he did everything he wasn't supposed to do. And so now he realizes that he's made some poor choices and he steps over this line of commitment. Because all of his life, it's been about him. It's been about what he wants, not what God wants. And the only commitment he has left to make, and that's to his God, to our God. It's about the God who called him and set him apart and gave him his strength. Verse 27. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women. They were watching Samson perform. And when a, God, when a man of God has been derailed, man or woman of God has been derailed, there's only one thing that we have to do. We have no other option but to turn back and run to God. And so Samson's been derailed. His life has fallen apart. They don't get no lower than this. And he only has one thing to do, run back to God. Because you know what? The call in Samson's life never went away. And just like the call in your life, it will never go away. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for a hope and for a future. We're just like Samson. We're no different. God created us and separated us for a plan and for a purpose. And sometimes we make poor choices and sometimes we make mistakes, but the call on your life is never go away. God will never leave you nor forsake you. It's us who do what we want to do. Sometimes we exercise our spiritual right of stupid. That's what I did. I'm telling you, I made some poor choices. But that doesn't change a thing. 
That doesn't change a thing at all. All we do is we turn around and we run back to God. And so here's Samson. He's bound by chains. His eyes have been gouged out of his head. He's blind. He can't see a thing. But he finds those pillars. I'm going to ask Bill to come up and and play something softly because I'm going to close here in a minute and I want to talk to you. I want to take this message and I want to turn it around to you. And so in verse 28 and 29, this is what it says. Then Samson prayed. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please God, strengthen me just once more. And let me, with one blow, get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson prays. You know what he prays? Strengthen me, Lord, just once more. He pleads with God for one more chance. He doesn't beat himself up with regrets. He doesn't make excuses for his actions. He says, God, please give me one more chance. He pleads. He says, please, God. If you look at the verse, please, God. Strengthen me once more. You know what Samson was saying? He was saying, I'm changed. I'm different. I'm not the person that I used to be. I see now, God, where I've made some mistakes, and I'm sorry. He says, I just need one more chance. And he asked God to strengthen him one more time. Has God ever given you a second chance? He has me. Even after I gave my heart to Jesus. That was just the beginning. Samson realized that he was down, but he was not out. And when a child of God fails, when a child of God falls, he may be down, but he's not out. Proverbs 24, verse 16, it says, For the righteous fall seven times, they will rise again. And some of you here today, You may be down, but I want to encourage you, you're not out. You maybe made some mistakes in your walk with God 2017. Maybe God had called you to do a couple of things and you were disobedient to the Spirit like me because I'm going to be the first one to raise my hand and say, man, I made some poor mistakes last year. And I wish I could go back and change them, but I can't. So I'm praying to God that he will forgive me for the things that I said to my son. That he will forgive me for the things that I did not do and he'll give me another chance. A fresh anointing, a new start in 2018. I pray that he'll strengthen me once more. You're not what you did. You're not the mistakes that you made. You are who God says you are, and that's chosen and anointed, set apart, ordained for such a time as this. And even in your failures, God can still accomplish his purposes for your life. Verse 30. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And then he pushed with all of his might. And down came the temple and the rulers and all the people that were in it. And thus he killed many more when he died and when he lived. On that day, as Samson pushed those pillars down, he became everything that God created him to be. And brothers and sisters, it's not too late to be who God has called you to be. You may have failed, but you're 
You're not out. You know what Satan loves to do? He loves to make strong people weak. But you know what God does? He makes weak people strong. Now I'm asking you today, before you go into 2018, before you go into another year, what pillars do you need to push down in your life? What do you need to leave behind? What is it that's causing you to stumble and fall and hindering your growth in God? You know what it is. Because some of us are here today, including myself, and you need to say, today, before I go into this new year, I'm pushing some pillars down in my life. I'm not going to carry this around no more. Maybe you're like me. Here's that vulnerability I was talking about. Is it a pillar of anger? Sometimes I have a short fuse. I'm being honest with you today. I don't want to go into a new year angry. I want to be a little more loving. I want to be more compassionate. I want to show more mercy. I have a pillar of anger that I need to push down in my life, and I'm not going into the new year with it. What pillars do you need to push down? Is it a pillar of pride? Are you like Samson? Samson was so prideful. Everything was about him. He didn't care about anybody else. Maybe you're here today and you need to push over a pillar of pride in your life before you go into this new season. Is it a pillar of lust? Have you been looking at things you shouldn't have looked at? Have you been thinking about things you shouldn't have think about? If so, let's push it down today. You don't have to go into a new year with it. Is it a pillar of addiction? Are you bound by a chain of addiction that's causing you to stumble and fall? Is it destroying your life? If so, let's push it down today. Let's make a commitment, a conscious decision that when we go into this new year, that we're going to go with a fresh anointing and a fresh start. You don't have to feel like a failure anymore. It's time for us to push these pillars down in our lives. It's time for us to become everything that God has created us to be. And he has created us for great things. And I know that the best is yet to come for my life and for yours. The spirit of Christ lives inside of us. We need to let him be our strength and our weakness because we can't do it without him. We're nothing. And sometimes we have to humble ourselves and say, God, I need to get this out of my life. That's right. And so I want you guys to know, even though you make poor choices, even though we make mistakes with God, failure is never final. It could be just the beginning. Today could be the day that you lay those things down, that you push those pillars down. And so I'm going to close in prayer. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head with me. I'm going to ask you to do something else. If anything I said today spoke to your heart, I just want you to slip up your hand. Hands going up all over the place. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. Without thinking or without hesitation, come down here and let's stand together. And let's pray. Don't be afraid. I'm going to be the first one here. I'll be the first one up here praying with you. Amen. I'm going to close in prayer. And if there's any prayer people in this house, I want you to come down. Let's lay hands on each other. Let's go into this new season and this new year with a fresh anointing and a new start. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for the men and the women that are here today. Yes, Lord. God, I thank you for your unfailing love and your unfailing mercy. And we thank you for second chances, God. And we thank you for new beginnings. And God, I thank you for this new season we're entering. God, I pray that whatever it is that's causing my brothers and sisters to fall short of your glory, God, that you'd rid that from them today. God, take it away from, we are not strong enough, Father, because it keeps causing us to stumble. But today, God, 
We call upon your word that you would be our strength and our weakness, Father God, that you would be our refuge and our rock and our fortress, God, that you would be our ever-present help in times of need. And so today, God, we lay them down before you. Here in your house at the altar, God, we ask you to take them away. Help us, Father God. And I pray as my brothers and sisters leave here today, God, that you go before them, that you make a way for them, and you protect them from the enemy this, this new year. God, I pray that you open up doors of opportunity that were normally closed. God, that you pour out blessings from heaven over their life and that they would see you and feel you like they never have before. And God, I pray that you use every man, woman, and child in this place in mighty and powerful ways, God, that they would go out and that they would change the world in your name. God, we thank you for what you've done and God, we thank you for what you've yet to do because we know that the best is yet to come and we stand on your promise. God, that you will love us forever, that you'll never, ever turn your back on us. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. God, help us to be the best that we can be in 2018. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.